Hey, business building warrior, welcome to Silent Sales Machine Radio. I'm your opening host today, and you're going to hear a little bit more from me here in a few minutes as I answer questions live from our listening community. You see, once a week or so on Mondays, typically, we go live on Zoom in our 73,000 member Facebook group, and we take questions from anyone and everyone of all experience levels. And we do our best as an expert team of leaders and coaches in this community to answer those questions. And sometimes that turns into really good content that's very useful. So we started capturing it and putting it on our weekend updates, which is what this is. If you're listening to this episode, right when it's released, hey, it's Saturday. We've just kicked off a new month too. So how about you start off the new month and your weekend the right way with some great content from the leadership team of the Silent Sales Machine Radio podcast. Now, I've been earning money from the internet as the only source of income for my family of seven for over 20 years now. And that experience has grown into a team of others who are far more qualified than me in most cases on all kinds of other areas of expertise, including specifically the one we're most excited about for most of our new students is Amazon. There's huge opportunity there, and that's what this podcast is all about. So before we get into the content today, if you're new around here, this podcast features hundreds of success story interviews with students of ours. These are coaching students that we've coached to success. They're also proven Amazon course students, which is our flagship Amazon training course that teaches all manner of different strategies but it starts all new sellers, regardless of where you live in the world, with the exact same strategy that's been proven and time-tested over and over and over again. That's what this podcast is about. All those great success stories, along with great tips and strategies for not just Amazon success, but multiple streams of income. But we love to start those who are new with Amazon and specifically with our Replens selling model. Well, that's enough of a good intro for now. If you're new around here, hopefully you appreciated some of those updates. We've got a great Facebook group, 73,000 plus members, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Well, actually we take Sundays off and pause the group, but you can join us and see great people from all over the world who are using the strategies we teach to grow incredible businesses. Over 1,900 success posts in that Facebook group that you can scroll through. Pretty incredible, huh? So hey, enjoy this weekend update. These are some of the best moments from a recent live Q&A session, and hopefully it serves you very well. Hey, have a great rest of your weekend. We'll talk to you soon. So my name is Jim Cockrum. I'm the founder of this Facebook group. We just passed, I think, our 10-year anniversary of the Facebook group. But I've been selling online, like I mentioned earlier, as the only income for my family of seven. Now, three of them are married and moved on, but It's still all I do for over 20 years. I left my last real job 21, 22 years ago at this point. And that was selling software for Microsoft at the time. But I jumped full-time into e-commerce, full-time into selling online, full-time into multiple streams of income. And that's all I've been doing, again, for the past couple decades plus helping others take similar journeys, doing it myself, sharing with transparency what we see working forming free groups like this one to hang out with people, answer their questions, help them get started, build successful businesses. Probably my proudest achievement of all of it is the hundreds and hundreds of success story podcast episode interviews that we've done. You can go to silentgym.com, check those out. Uh, To my knowledge, no one else in the industry has 
compiled anywhere near the number of real people who've built real businesses using a strategy that's taught by the community. So I'm very proud of that. We've coached nearly 10,000 people at this point in the longest running e-commerce coaching program in the world. To our knowledge, no one's done it half as long as we have. You can go to silentgym.com again, get on our schedule, have a half hour conversation about your business, your goals, your dreams, your aspirations. See if what we have to offer is a good fit. It's a very low pressure, friendly conversation. We're going to give you free resources. We're going to help you. you. Your business will grow as a result of that call whether you work with us or not. These are good people I've worked with for years. Uh, my coaching director, Nathan, has been with me for 20 years at this point. Like This is what we do. This is who we are. We're not going to be gone tomorrow. We've been around a long time, and this is our work. We call it our ministry, many of us on the leadership team. This is our ministry. And what we mean by that is it's about a lot more than just businesses. We've built real relationships where we cry with each other. We we see each other, you know, win. We see each other lose. We're in the trenches. We're fighting battles with each other. That's why I call this community business building warriors. If you're new to business, welcome to the battle. If someone's out there telling you it's easy, they're lying to you. They're trying to sell you something. Run. Business is hard. It doesn't matter what the business is. If you're going to make it, if you're going to make a profit with happy clients that you're serving well, maintaining a strong reputation, building a team, managing people, doing all the moving parts that go with it, you are going to be in a fight most of the time. But it's so much better. I've done it 20 years and there hasn't been a single day where I didn't think, man, this is so much better than getting up and going to a job today. It's just beautiful because you're in control of your own schedule. You can hire the people you want to work with. You can pursue the opportunities you want to pursue. And the world of e-commerce is so wide open from my perspective. So many great opportunities. The one we love to teach, we call it the Amazon replens model. That's the one where the vast majority of the success stories on our podcast have started and built beautiful businesses, in some cases, seven-figure businesses with just that model. But once you understand the basics of that model, you can go any number of about a dozen different directions from there and tack on some really beautiful new income streams. We are a multiple income stream community. We don't want to see you pursuing multiple businesses simultaneously. We want to see you bolting them down, building systems, putting good people in place. Maybe it's a virtual assistant in the Philippines who's thrilled to work for four times average wage on the island, which is about $4 per hour. They're thrilled and they can have, they can have a great house and feed their family for $4 an hour in the Philippines have the technology they need, the internet, a great computer, and work hard for you all day, every day. So those are the kind of opportunities we talk about. Building beautiful systems, building great businesses, doing it together. Uh, the last little thing I'll say before I start jumping into some of the questions that you guys might have and opening up the microphone for conversation is, if you haven't put it on your calendar yet, you need to check out theprovenconference.com. There'll be hundreds of us gathering in Orlando, Florida in May 2024. The dates are the 23rd through the 25th. Plan to be there. It's going to be phenomenal. We had about 700 people last year. I think we'll have about that again, plus some possibly this year. We've only sold a few tickets to people who were actually at the event several months ago for the 2024 event. So we've got a good number of people who have already locked in, but tickets will go on sale at theprovenconference.com soon. Plan to be there. And we'd love to have you just experience the power of this community. Question. Yes, sir. 
first off, my son Jesse is doing podcasts. He's listening to him at work when he works. That's your he son, did, right? Yeah, my son Jesse. Well, it's basically him and his sister's business. And I'm just cool. kind of getting him going here. Gotcha. But uh, he's really getting into it and he's enjoying your podcast. He listened to 54, 55, and 612 and a couple other ones this weekend. So I'm happy for that. Outstanding. He told me, I saw something, someone posted about a WD body product and they were having issues trying to find it. So apparently they found it on Amazon. So it made me think to have him check it out. So in the course of his checking, Amazon was on it and all FBM. Mm -hmm. And my question is, he said he could have gotten it quicker from an FBM merchant's then he can get it from Amazon. How mm -hmm. can that be? Good question. Let me restate the question to hopefully clarify for anybody who didn't follow your question, make sure I got it right, and then I'll answer it. So your son's looking at a product, and when he looks at all the people who are selling it on Amazon, he's got a bunch of different dates associated with those different sellers. One of the sellers is Amazon itself, and he's looking at the prices and he's looking at the dates. And us as sellers, it's important for us to understand this lesson as well, not just as a shopper. So as he's looking at those dates, Amazon is willing to sell it, but it's going to take, what, like a week or two? Or like, what's going on? Amazon's like the two-day, right? Here's what's going on. Amazon will put stuff up for sale on their site, for, for sale on their site, even if they don't have it in hand yet. So as they begin to trust you as a seller, even let's say you've got a shipment and you say, Hey, Amazon, I got a shipment of 50 widgets on the way. And they know it's going to be there four days from now. And it'll take them two or three days to unbox it. They might lose it for a couple of days and then find it again. Right? So here we are two weeks from now, it's going to be up for sale on amazon.com because you sent it in FBA. So they'll put that stuff up for sale as a two week delivery date, but they don't have it yet. They just trust you and know that it's on the way. They do that with their own inventory too. They've ordered it from a supplier. They know it's on the way. The delivery date is three days from now. It's going to take them two days to unbox it, make it available for sale. So they'll say, hey, it's going to take us seven to 10 days to deliver this. So does that make sense? So they're basically making uh, Amazon is, again, number one, I, it was FBM and sure. Amazon. I mean, there was no FBA. Right. So. I guess I understand because Amazon really doesn't have the product yet nope. and they're preparing for it. Yep. Okay. All yep. right. I just now, it is pretty unusual to see Amazon list their own products as merchant fulfilled. I would like to see a screenshot of that it, because I have never actually seen that before. Typically, if Amazon says they're selling something, they're selling it at FBA, but it may be a couple of weeks from now because they've placed an order. The vendor said it's on the way. They know it's going to take some time. But uh, FBA, FBM doesn't, doesn't really matter uh, from my vantage point. If Now, if it's FBM, it's up to the seller to say how fast they can turn it around. You won't see a third-party seller, that's you, that's me, that's everyone on this call, with an FBM item listed with, say, a three-week delivery time on Amazon because they won't let you do that. They say, don't you dare list anything on our website unless you have it in hand, ready to sell and ship right now, which is why we don't encourage drop shipping because you can lose track very quickly of what you do and don't have your hands on what you do and don't have the ability to sell. So with Merchant Fulfill, typically it's just a matter of how long would it take to get from city A to city B because that seller does have the product. And if you yeah, everybody ahead. was able to get it 
to him FBM mm-hmm. quicker than Amazon could. So, mm-hmm. and that's what we were intrigued by. I'll see if he can find it and get a screenshot and yeah. send it to you. Amazon probably placed an order and it just hadn't arrived at their warehouse yet from a vendor. Cool. So appreciate the time. Yeah, still still collecting sales, even though they weren't able to ship it out very quickly. Yeah, that's it. I did, we sent you that link that you asked for, and I wanted to make sure you got it. And Yeah, I'll check it out. Maybe we'll talk about it uh, next time. I'm not going to jump over it right now, but you, you've got an yep. example where Amazon was the FBM seller, right? Uh, no. So they are the... They are an FBA seller and there's okay. FBM sellers selling it sure. um, with a faster delivery time than Amazon. That doesn't surprise me. That's okay. the scenario I suspected we were talking about. Yeah. I've never seen Amazon be an FBM seller was what would have been. Yeah. But Amazon yeah. being an FBA seller and having an extended delivery date just means they've placed an order and it's a week or two from being delivered to them. Okay. Is it yeah. still like, you know, you say if there's fast moving ASINs, don't even worry about how many sellers or who's on it. Mm-hmm. Is it still safe to say if Amazon's on it, just move on? Or because I see a lot of them that, I mean, there's 80 drops a month, Amazon's on it, but there's also FBAs, FBMs yeah, on it. I don't, I don't care if Amazon's one of the other sellers. What I'm okay. looking at is that buy box line. That's my worst case scenario. Meaning if I send one in for well above buy box, and it doesn't sell a month, six weeks from now. Can I drop down the buy box without losing money and get rid of it? If Amazon happens to be one of the other sellers, I could care less. Okay. All I'm looking at is that traditional buy box line. Let's say it's bouncing between $22 and $23 on average. Some spikes here, some dips there. But for the past three to six months, pretty steady, $22, $23. If I get into this ASIN and I have to sell it for $22 or $23, bucks, am I going to at least break even? The answer is yes. I'm testing it probably for, say, $32 and letting it sit. If the answer is no, that my break-even price is $27, I'm not testing it because my worst-case scenario is now I'm losing 4 bucks. So it depends on my risk tolerance, too. Does that make sense? Nailed it. Thanks, yeah. Jim. If Amazon's another seller, I don't care. We sell against them all the time. They're selling it cheaper than us, and we still make sales because we're our unit. Go listen to podcast episode 554 if you're scratching your head. Why would people pay more money? I've listened to it three times in the last two days. Exactly. But but for others listening to this, they're like, why is he saying price it higher than Amazon? What is he talking about? 554 explains. Silentgym.com episode 554. Yeah. Amazon is not one big warehouse where a bunch of price-sensitive shoppers go to shop every day. It is almost 200 warehouses spread out across the country. And a good number of the people shopping in some of those warehouses today could care less what the price is because they want it an hour from now. Even Amazon, as good as they are, cannot keep up with that kind of diverse demand for people who want stuff fast. And if you're sitting in one of those warehouses, you could sell stuff for really nice margins. And lots of friendly faces, including a podcast episode I listened to today from Brian and Robin Joy. Oh my goodness. Robin Joy, that episode that you and Brian did, the last few minutes, ah, it was just so endearing today. <laughs> just a little personal note from the coaching director on our team, Robin Joy. The two of you talking about uh, after your health struggles, and I don't want to steal the thunder. You, you were very transparent about some of the things that Brian saw you through. I got a little emotional listening to that today. That was a great episode. Our, our listeners will get to hear that probably a couple days from now. I'm thinking Wednesday or maybe Wednesday next week, depending on how the schedule goes. But Robin Joy, good to see you, my friend. Good to see you too, Jim. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, of course. Anytime you can pop in, it's always good. And for those who don't know, uh, I mentioned earlier that we've got about 60 coaches that we're working with on our team. These are all people who've built beautiful businesses using the strategies we teach around here. Uh, Robin Joy and her husband, Brian, are two coaching team leaders. So they've got a team of coaches. There's, there's a handful of coaching teams and they manage one of those teams. And they also do about a podcast episode a week as time allows. And we publish that on silentgym.com and, and they've done a good number. I, I love the coach's corner because it's they're in the trenches, right? Sometimes I'm kind of perceived as the guy that knows what's going on around here. I know a, a lot about a lot of things, but when it comes to actually working one-on-one with students, I'm not that guy anymore. We've got a great team that does it. I work with the coaches. I work with the coaching team leaders. But Brian and Robin Joy are getting the you know on-the-street questions from coaching students. And so once a week on their podcast episodes, they kind of come in and say, hey, here's what we're hearing. Here's what students are struggling with. Here's what's working well. So we always love those episodes. But Anything else on your mind today, Robin Joy? What's uh, what are you guys up to? Any announcements or news? We could talk about Kickstart because there's a lot of new faces here today, and I think some people would appreciate hearing what that's all about. But what else? I always love talking about Kickstart, the Kickstart Bootcamp. Sure. If you are brand new and you've never sent anything into Amazon's FBA program before, and you'd like to kind of take a course to get through that process one time just to learn about the mechanics of it and what's, you know, kind of allowed and not allowed in that first shipment, how to pack it up and ship it and um, get it up for sale. That's what we do in the Kickstart Bootcamp. It's a four-week program and it's very inexpensive. It's only for uh, proven Amazon course members. And uh, if you join that group, then you'll have four weeks with usually me. Sometimes another coach fills in if I'm not available, but usually me. And we have four live Q&A sessions during that four weeks as well. We've gotten a lot of good feedback. We, people are really, really getting a lot out of it. So I'm I'm glad that we're doing that and developing it more and more based on feedback from you guys. And um, I know a lot of people I see here have taken that course. And um, we're always adjusting and trying to make it better for you. Yeah, it's a great, great class. New proven Amazon course students are welcome. And the link we have set up for information on it is silentgym.com slash kickstart. Go check it out. See if it looks like something you want to do for just a few dollars, get you through those first few struggles that you're bound to encounter as a new seller. We love offering that as an opportunity to new proven Amazon course students specifically. So yeah, Robin Joy's done a great job with that. We've done, I don't know, at this point, 25, 30, maybe more. I lose track of time. And just great feedback from the students who continue to go through that. And a handful of them are here, I recognize as well. So if any of you guys want to talk about your experience with that, that would be great. I just want to say one thing. Uh, so to anyone out there who's listening, I am eight months in on this and I consider myself like uh, the tortoise in the tortoise hare race. Not that it's a race, but like I am totally comfortable being the tortoise, at least for the first year, because I'm considering this whole first year as a huge learning curve Mm. and making mistakes and figuring out what works, what doesn't. And so for instance, uh, this past week, I don't have a reprice. I don't have be cool. I don't have any, anything really like that. Uh, So manually I'm going through my inventory, especially when I get a notification through email that, Hey, something is about to expire. We're going to send it back to you or whatever it might be. So I'm kind of going through my inventory and saying, you know what? I really need to, well, 
get a repricer, first of all, I guess. But secondly, pay more attention to the inventory because I'll, especially if it's food-based where there are expiration dates, and you kind of forget about them, you know, because uh, certain things sell. Some of them are seasonal kind of, some of them just whatever. But I'm definitely, so I unloaded without taking a loss or maybe a 2% loss or break even or a small profit. I'm just unloading a bunch of inventory that I don't think I want to sell anymore. There are certain things I don't want to sell anymore and, and mess with because like, for instance, uh, some food items can be uh, very uh, breakable when you get them delivered. If they're like a thin cookie kind of package kind of stuff, right? You know, of course you pack it well, bubble wrap if you want or whatever, but like, I don't want to mess with stuff that's going to take so much time to pack it, which is what I'm doing now. I don't have a, I don't have a prep center or, you know, a VA or any of that stuff yet. But in the meantime, it's important to know and be a little more sensible and, and um, aware of what you are trying to send in, I think. And that's just, I don't know what anyone thinks about that, but just being a little bit smarter about the things you can sell that are not going to cause you any headaches. Absolutely. It's not a completely predictable path that I see new sellers walk, but there's a pattern here. Most new sellers come in and they're the first thoughts they have are, oh, I'm gated for everything. I'm, un- I'm finding good stuff, but I can't, but I'm gated for everything. I finally understand the system. And then it's finally I'm in grocery. And then the reality of grocery settles in. It's like, oh man, all those expiration dates. I don't know if I want to mess with that anymore. And they drift into other categories, higher prices. They stop selling anything for less than 15, 20 bucks. And it's all like, and I want to source stuff that costs me 15, 20 bucks and sell it for 40 to 60. They've got confidence now. And I want stuff that doesn't break when it's shipped. And you learn these little lessons as you grow. There's money in every category. I know people that do really, really well with cookies. <laughs> like, okay, but you're going to deal with, or, you know, you're going to deal with the people who complain that whatever the cookies were broken, broken when they arrived or shoes, they just love shoes. Well, the, re- the return rate's 15%. So your question might be, well, Jim, what's the perfect category? The perfect strategy is inch deep, mile wide. Continue doing what's working well. Stop doing what isn't working. Don't over risk in any one area. Unnecessarily risk. Don't, you know, the podcast episode that's coming out Wednesday from Brian and Robin Joy, they emphasize this point beautifully. They said it's starting to really resonate with them while we've been talking about this inch deep, mile wide, as opposed to this inch wide, mile deep. I'm, Everybody would love to have that one magic product that they sell thousands of every day and there's no competition. Wouldn't we all like that? But that's just not the reality of where you start. There's no one doing that without years of trial and error and finally finding a niche and kind of carving out their space. And even then they've got a ton of competitors. The margin monsters are coming even when you're at that level. So what do we do instead? You go an inch deep, two, three, four units deep, I'm not going to go buy 50 boxes of cookies. I'm going to send in two or three. What's it like? Did I actually make any money when it was all said and done? Do I want to do this anymore? Like Brian said, I don't think I want to do that anymore. Okay, well, what is working well? Where am I getting margin? What categories do I want to explore a little more? So yeah, that's the journey. There's nothing unusual about what you said. And we love slow and steady, by the way, because that means you haven't made any you know, $8,000 mistakes and you're just kicking yourself. You're just experimenting and you're putting some money in the bank while you do it. I really believe that like it's it's really important to go through those kind of getting knocked down and learn what's working and what's not, whatever category you're kind of selling in and all that. But 
Like it's really important to learn those basic mistakes without getting into deep and bankrupting yourself, obviously. But it's it's just a it's so cool. I mean, I love this so much. I have so much fun with this. And it's a right now it's a side income, but I want it to be my full income eventually. But like I said, tortoise and hare and all that. But I really feel like it's important. And everyone has a different way of learning and different learning curve. So that's just where I am. But I just want people to know who are new. If they're here, you know, just be patient and and you know, learn as much as you can and and have fun with it and know that it's going to work. I believe in it big time, so I'm not giving yeah. up. Yeah, and a good thing to do is to check out the podcast episodes too, where we interview people who are, you know, they've just had their first ten thousand dollar month, for example, is a good point where we really like to interview people who say they've been through the paces, they've made some bad decisions and some good decisions. They're in the reality of the business. They're not so far down the road that it's hard to relate to them. Like the podcast episode that released today is going to be hard for some people to relate to because it's arguably one of the greatest private label success stories from our community. Probably clearly easily is the greatest. He's This guy's in 35,000 retail stores now. Like how many of you can relate to that? Not me. I don't have a product in 35,000 retail stores. Do you? <laughs> he does. And he tells a story of how this community helped him go from being a clueless newbie living in his mom's garage to that level, right? And it's a, it's an awesome story. Uh, lightning struck in a way that, you know, some of us may never experience, but still the lessons are pretty universal. And, and he talks about what this community did to help him, but there's plenty of people who just put in a few extra hundred dollars a week of, uh, in, in the bank is life-changing, but we can get you there in a few months, man, this stuff works. And so anyone wants to talk about any of that, happy to do so. Yeah, yeah. You want me to just go ahead and answer in the chats or anything that you, anything that you want to just respond to? So you, you know, we may use this as content on the podcast or whatever. So anything that you want to tackle and, and talk through? If I could, real quick, uh, comment on what Brian was talking about. Sure. I think I think you made some good points. I want to make sure that people who are brand new are not concerned about doing something that's difficult to do. When we do encourage people. When you're brand new and you're looking to build your foundation, you are going to want to take whatever you can get that is that looks like it might work for you and try that out. You're absolutely right. It's it's only a test. You're going to test it out and see if it works for you. As you grow your book of business, you'll be able to cut some of that out. But that's how you get paid to learn this stuff is go ahead and try whatever comes your way. It may be a little hard to hang on to once you have some easier stuff, but think about replacing those hard ones with easier ones, as opposed to never looking at the easy ones. And I know that's not what you were saying, Brian, but I just want to make sure if anybody new is listening, that um, that came out. There's somebody yeah. here that says that they're in in a slump, Trinity, in a slump. That's normal. That's not unusual at all. And I just can't express enough to everyone how we all go through these things, especially when we were new. It doesn't look like it now. I know you're seeing where we've overcome, those of us who are more experienced, have overcome a lot of these, these challenges that you're facing right now. It's not that they didn't happen to us, and it's not that, that they weren't hard for us, but we did get through them and you will get through them too. One of the great things you have at your disposal is this community who can help you, encourage you, give ideas to do better. And I think that that is probably one of the biggest things that helped Brian and I get through some of the struggles that, that we had to get through when we were in slumps. So there's my two cents on that. 
I love it. Yeah. Thanks for that encouragement, Robin Joy. And, and the community is, is vital. You know, just being tra- having a group of people you can be transparent with, maybe hop on a Zoom. And I, I, I promised earlier, maybe this is a good time to interject this. I'm going to give my comments on a, a slump, but you can get on our Facebook group up in the featured section of my silent team. There's a link at silentgym.com. If you happen to hear this and you're not in the group yet, go there, get into our Facebook group. At the top, you'll see the featured section. There's a welcome video. Part of that welcome, that's a very valuable video with just all kinds of great free resources for you. But one of them is how to find others who live near you. Get into groups, go to meetups. I was just talking to one of our great coaches, Grant, who lives a couple hours to the east of me in Ohio. And they had a gathering, just an impromptu, hey, let's all get together. Eight, 10 people showed up, people from this community encouraging each other, hanging out over a weekend, right? You need that. So that's the encouragement piece. On the practical side, what do I do when I'm in a slump? Well, one of the first questions I have is, what do the ASINs look like that you're selling? Let's take a look at them. You know, where are you priced with those ASINs? What, you know, how much inventory have you sent in? Is the slump because you took a two-week vacation and didn't send anything in for three and a half weeks and that was six weeks ago and now you're feeling it? Or is the slump for something else? Because I'll tell you what the slump isn't. The slump isn't people aren't shopping on Amazon. That's not the slump. We're entering Q4, especially right now and year round. Once you're making educated bets or guesses on the inventory that you're testing, test worthy ASINs, you hear us say all the time around here, helping fill that underserved shelf space at Amazon. If you're doing that enough, you're going to get sales. It may surprise you any given day what sells. But like we're on hundreds and hundreds of different ASINs. And I don't care which one of them sells today. I just know that they all sell a few times a month. And as they do, I send more in. So if you're in a slump, how many ASINs are you selling against? What do those ASINs look like on Keepa? What strategy are you using to determine if those are test-worthy ASINs or not? Are you being strategic and methodical in your selection of inventory? Because if not, I would fully expect a slump, right? I mean, it's easy to have a slump. Just go buy a bunch of stuff that people don't want and price it too high. Any of us can have a slump. So if it's stuff that you've done right, it's going to sell. And if it doesn't, your worst case scenario, you drop your price to buy box and you get rid of it and you break even because you did your homework. That's part of having a test worthy ASIN. So that's the coach in me coming in with hopefully a practical tip or two for for that question. Um, Keep sending in shipments, keep finding new ASINs, knowing that at any given time, worst case scenario, you drop your price, you get rid of some of your inventory, a break even, and you've got your capital back. That's the game. All right. Good questions. We've got a, a, a question. Um, you know, I think I might have a conversation here before I dive into this because keep respecting the order that these are popping in. A couple of the questions I saw a little more complex in nature, talking about g- selling against generic brands. So I see your question, Amelia, and uh, I'll jump on that as best I can. But let me have a conversation first with some folks who've raised their hands and then um, maybe jump into that. Good evening. Hello, Robin. Hello. This is actually, I have a very quick, hopefully practical question. Either one of you could probably answer it. But before I did that, I wanted, I, I loved what Brian was talking about. And, but you know, I just want to say, I, I just started this like four and a half months ago. I'd really think that if I can do it, anybody can. I, and I mean that because, because I ain't doing it. I'm making a mess, but I'm still making some profit, you know, because I've been following the profit first principles. And so I just basically been putting a little bit. So there's some profit putting the taxes over. And then the rest of it, just throwing it back in there. And, and I certainly have, you know, sold some things for a loss, you know, once you, but you know, but you know what I was thinking about is that I've been able to get rid of everything. So, I mean, that's kind of a, 
you know, if you think, hey, you're, you're not going to sell everything that you try to sell, but everything that, you know, just from the basic principles that you guys have been teaching, you know, you, you will sell it if you if you stick with the basically to keep a, you know, concepts and principles. One of the one of the things I'm getting more disciplined about is I can go back now and look at like something that didn't sell the way I thought it would. And I'll look at it and I'll go, well, I, you know, my break even wasn't the low point, you know, on the buy box, you know, I, and I, and not now I can see it. I'm like, Oh, you know, wow. That was a s- simple mistake, you know? Uh, yep. And I can, and I can see those things now, just the basic, uh, I'm more disciplined now to look, to ask myself, okay, where's the, where's the lowest buy box? Is that my break even? No. Okay. Get out of here. Next. You know, before I'd say, eh, I'm going to try it anyway, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Which is, which is kind of okay because it gets, it gets, it is a good idea to get the reps in, you know. So I have taken some risks, and it's good to get the reps in. And I, and I want to say, since I took uh, Robin Joy's boot camp, who taught me how to do one, send in one, you know, which I was scared to death about. It took me, you know, an entire weekend to send one thing, you know, to lift it, to walk through the steps. I was so freaked out, you know. And now I've done that seven hundred three times. I've done, I've done seven, I've sold seven hundred three units. And that's awesome. since, since that boot camp, you know, four months mm-hmm. ago. So, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be a lot of money. One of my, one of my best replings, which is, you know, I just keep stocking it cost me, I think $2 and it's selling for the average is about 1120, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and it just keeps going over and over. It, it gets the buy box and just sits in there. And, you know, and I'm just going, I'm like, wow, it's cost me $2, you know, to just keep sending that in and, but the inch deep is huge because like I have something that I have a month in, a mo- I have a month of supply in and it stops selling. But I look at it, I go, okay, it's just one month supply. It's not a big deal. It's not going to kill anybody if it, you know, and it'll eventually I can drop it down and get rid of it if I want to. And you, you start kind of getting, getting that, but some things are still way over my head. I bought into the proven, uh, bot <laughs> group. And I was like, no, I'm out. I said, I'll go back into that in a couple of months. You know, I'll just keep doing this. And, uh, but anyway, it's good to be in the group anyway. And I get what I can get, you know, but some stuff, it's like you said, um, just in time learning, you know, sometimes you think you're ready to learn something like, nah, no, no, maybe not. I'll try that again in a couple of months. But, but my question was just a practical question as far as a system to track ASINs on a, at least maybe a monthly basis or a couple of week basis. And that's why I was glad Robin was here. Robin Joy was here because the last time I had talked about this, like I understand you can go into seller central, go under FBA inventory and you can find sort of the aging inventory. But I think the first click on their graph is like the 60 to 90 day. So one of the issues I'm running into is by the time I kind of catch on to something that's hit that 60 day mark, I probably could have dropped it, you know, a couple of weeks earlier and maybe gotten a few dollars more out of it. So just that, that's kind of there's just a practical way to track you know because now i've got i've got too many to keep an eye on i'm not looking at three or four of them so i am like i just list them and then just go and then now now i can every friday i'm training myself to go in and find those 60s at least i'm finding those 60s and doing something with the 60s but i'm wondering if there's a way to maybe find them a couple weeks earlier that's that's my question you got that you want to take that robin joy you, you, you want to take that <laughs> sure all right, all right Cam, but you go ahead i'm gonna read some of the comments Okay, so Renee, there's one thing that I would recommend to you if you've got enough ASINs that you can't keep track of by yourself. And that, well, two things actually. One of them would be Replan Dashboard can help you keep track of how long everything's been in there and what you need to reorder. The other one is uh, Seller Board, which is a very inexpensive tool that can help you keep track of how long you've had what inventory in there. 
If I use I use Replin. I, maybe I have to look into it and see if it shows me the ages of how long they've been in. But because I that is what I'm using to replenish. I mean that that's a no brainer. Yeah. Replin dashboard is so so good. <laughs> it's just, it just tells <laughs> yeah. you by ten, by five. Okay. You know, I'm not yeah. I'm not positive about that because I am not the one who who does that part. But in our business, but you know. If you sort by, if you go into that page FBA inventory that you're talking about and you sort by age, your first one you write is zero to 60, but I never let anything get over 60, 60 days. So you, you need to, like you said, start being aware of it before then so yeah. that you can start lowering your price if you need to. If you're not using a repricer, it's going to be easier to use something like Replan Dashboard or um, seller board. There's several tools out there that can help you with that. Yeah. And, and and so with a repricer, you do you use a repricer and then just have them automatically start dropping the price after two weeks at like an automation using an automation? I know Be Cool has a setting that they set up just for our community because they've heard me say numerous times, we have numerous people who follow the strategy of leaving it alone for a month right. or you can leave it alone for a week. Some people like to do and then start dropping it. For me, yeah. I like to leave it alone for a month at a nice high price that's profitable to me. Yeah. If nothing's happened, then we start dropping the price till something starts happening and we pause there for a while. And Be Cool has built in a setting so you can turn the repricer on day one, but it's not going to do any repricing that first month. Mm-hmm. But it kicks in if no sales have happened. It will okay. kick in and start dropping. Mm-hmm. Right. So Be Cool has done that for us. I don't know if there's other repricers that do it. That just happens to be the one that we use silentgym.com slash repricer. But you've talked to our team. We use, I don't remember what Brian and Robin Joy even use. Are you guys on Be Cool as well? I can't remember. No, he's informed. He's an informed, right? So like, that's why I would say, if you talk to our team of 100 coaches, right. content creators, leaders, you're going to hear 12, 15 different repricers. Mm-hmm. Right? There's no one right one. But your repricer can certainly help manage the situation. You're saying, well, hey, I want a certain period of time where I leave it alone and then automatically start dropping the price. And when I send new stuff in, I want it back up with that original. Right. A repricer can help you mm-hmm. automate that for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. You guys yeah, are awesome. I appreciate you. Awesome. Of Good to talk to you, Renee. Keep Thank plugging you. away. I love that you're up to 700 units sold, man. You're going to be doing beautiful stuff. And this one thing I want to say to encourage you and maybe others, at the point that you understand replans and you've kind of got it down and you're done making silly inventory buying decisions that get you into mm-hmm. trouble. That's when it's time for you to start thinking about some of these other opportunities. You've got a more stable foundation than you might realize at this point. Your account is in good standing. Amazon knows, likes, and trusts you. You've got an opportunity to get into branded bundles, maybe start experimenting around a little bit, maybe start talking to some wholesalers. Some of those ASINs that are great for a while, and then they tank off and like, oh, what happened? Hey, reach out, maybe talk to that brand or... That's a good mm-hmm. branded bundle opportunity for you. You know, this brand's yeah. on fire. I'm going to put it into with another item that sells well with it. And one, maybe my own item, branded mm-hmm. bundle, right? That's the proven branded bundle. Yeah, I, I was going to say that I think you guys are very good at guiding pe- people. People should listen a little more. Just try to listen because you guys guide people through the, the little landmines, you know, because even like people will say how long it takes. I send in a shipment and it's there in two days. You know, and it, they let me know. And it's you, you guys like I listen really good because I want to avoid all the little issues. And even when I stepped in it, I'm like, oh, you know, OK, yep. <laughs> That's not, but you guys are very good guides. If you if, if people like just watch and listen, it's not that it's not that risky. But That's what I've been trying to say. Just listen to us. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I agree. I mean, I, I agree. So, I mean, I see all the other yeah. 
No, you know, the, I get it though, man. You know, it's a, it's a loud, busy, crowded, distracting world yeah. out there. And there's a lot of things going on. A lot of people coming across with authority that don't deserve it. And a lot of people speaking softly that really know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's hard to discern those things. So yeah. the evidence I throw out there is this all of our success stories. And hopefully that's enough to get people to convince to, to pause and, and consider what we're, what we're saying. And I just recorded a podcast episode today. It's the 10 ways the 10 biggest mistakes that we see sellers making around here. Like if we could just keep you from falling into one of these ditches, but we mm-hmm. just see new people come in constantly and like, okay, I watched a few YouTube videos and I went running full speed into this brick wall that we tell people all the time, like, don't go that way. Yeah. But they do it anyway. Then they come and we're happy mm-hmm. to help clean it up. But, but we really do have a nice system here that's been proven over time. So I appreciate you saying yeah. that. Renee. Yeah. Thank you. I hope you're going to be at the Proven Conference this summer. I think you're going to get an awful lot out of it now that you've yes. you kind of got a foundation built. It's going oh, to be really sure. helpful. Yeah. Well, yeah. one day I'm going to, I'll meet you all one day for Looking sure. If not then, it, it'll be one day for Looking sure. Looking forward to it. Guarantee right, God it. bless you, man. So I got a question. Uh, so I'm actually uh, a new coaching student. So I'm, okay. uh, Welcome. I'm sending stuff in. Um, Ed Dassey okay. is my coach. Great. And so I have a couple products coming in and I have one right now that I was going to, to test, but I have some on the way. Is it, I guess for a logistical standpoint, I want to like wait till the other ones come in and then send them all together. Or does it really even matter? Should I just send them in when they come in? Cause I, I'm doing OA, right? So, you know, everything kind of has like its own clock that it, that it comes in. It doesn't, all come in at once, which would be preferable. But but mm-hmm. well, let me just say, philosophically, if you're new, send it as you right. get it. Otherwise, you're going to end up with a pile. Send it as you, you get it. Oh, if it's a 20 pound box you. instead of a 49.4, you know, like uh, I want my boxes all to be right at 50 to to maximize the shipping, right? Like, ah, don't mm-hmm. worry about that stuff. Get it in. Okay. Because you will end up with a pile of stuff because, you know, you'll catch a cold and then your wife wants to take a trip to the the in-laws and then, you know, Oh, I forgot. I got to be out of town for, and then the stuff sat there for three weeks. Yeah. Get it yeah. in. Makes Just sense. get that discipline. Don't let the pile. Cause that monster doesn't shrink. It grows. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that pile yeah. of stuff. It doesn't shrink. It grows, man. Get it out of your house and, okay. and sell it. Yeah. Don't wait. Okay. And, and I guess uh, another point to, to make also is, uh, I also fell prey to the whole generic listing debacle that's been going on so it's uh it's definitely uh uh even little guys like me are are making those mistakes and um i, I seem to have made all of them so far so but well it's, so, i got it, really wild is your, account, <laughs> is your account currently suspended for the gym? no no i never actually sent it in i actually still have the product in uh i have the product in my house okay ready to send but gotcha. um I didn't send it because I was like, okay, so I got the notification right as soon as I tried to sell it. Okay. Yeah. And that'll be a nice trail in for me to talk to. Was it, I think it was Amelia had a question about generics. So I'll I'll talk about that here in a moment as well. But yeah, don't sell against listings that have the brand listed as generic. There's a few, there's a few never do's for new sellers. One of them is never set up a new listing on Amazon. Never. If you're new, never set up a new listing. Don't do it. Another one, never sell on a ASIN that has the brand improperly represented. Either the brand field is blank or 
the brand is supposed to be Nabisco, but they spelled it wrong to try to set up a, a, a listing that no one else could sell against. And they, you know, they left the O off the end of Nabisco or whatever, right? You don't do it. It may look like a great ace and on keep it. Don't do it. Check the brand, right? Another one is if, if there's no brand at all represented, you don't want to jump on that one. Or if it says generic, then it's obviously a branded product, but somebody set it up as a generic brand. So these are the things we learn when you're, when you got a coach, when you go through training, when you're paying attention to the details, but if you just kind of run full speed ahead and just, you know, try to sell a bunch of stuff, you can get yourself into a little bit of trouble sometimes, but I think it's all going to be very navigatable. We've got 25 people currently in our community, thousands of sellers in our community, 25 of them right now are currently suspended pending reinstatement over having a good handful of generic listings or a handful that they struggled with. So we're working through that right now. And I'm fully confident it's going to resolve favorably for all of them based on what I've seen, but it's still pending right now as of this recording. All right. So um, Mandy, you guys are being very patient. I appreciate that, but I think I'm going to jump over and try to hit Amelia's question. And then we will uh, jump and see what you guys have in mind to talk. Amelia's question is, she knows we shouldn't be selling against products listed as generic, right? But for example, there are many, uh, she mentions arm and hammer products that have a crazy code listed as the manufacturer or the name uh, It says Church and Dwight is the manufacturer, which is the actual name of the company. Uh, is there a place to look on Amazon that collects correct names to use for legitimate listings? Right. Okay. So what I would do if I see anything weird in the brand field, this is what we do. This is what my team does. We look at other products from that brand and see, is this just a weird one-off? Because this looks weird. I'm seeing CHUW7 as the distributor or as the brand or someone's, you know, some weird name. Like, I'm going to look at the other listings by that company. And if they all have that there, including the ones that have been around a long time selling well, I'm going to feel a whole lot better that, okay, that must just be the brand. That must be legit. As far as you said distributor, I might need a little clarification for that because because I don't often pay attention to the, who the distributor is on, on an Amazon ASIN. I don't remember ever looking for the distributor or trying to make sure that's accurately represented that I know of. I didn't even know that that was a factor here. The brand, however, a really big deal. Who's distributing it? I don't know that as long as, as, long as uh, the brand thinks it's a legitimate distributor, then you're, you're good to go. So in other words, sometimes people will say, hey, I, I bought some product from company XYZ, and now I'm a little nervous that I might have bought from someone who's not legitimate. How do I know? There's a very simple way to know. When in doubt, call the brand, get on the brand's website and say, hey, is company XYZ a legitimate distributor or retailer for your products? And if they say, nope, never heard of them, you don't want to be buying from them. This is why I say with 100% certainty, 100% of the time with thousands of students served in our community as students, our coaching program and as a proven Amazon course, I'm aware of zero rejected receipts or invoices from legitimate sources. I made a long post about this and you can dig in. Sometimes it has to be resubmitted. Sometimes you get a bad rep who doesn't understand Amazon's own policies and you have to escalate it up to someone who does understand. But quite often when you hear about rejected receipts and invoices, it's because people bought products from unauthorized distributors or sources, such as, you know, it could be Bob's barn you know, Ben, and you dug it up and he gave me an invoice. So it's legit, right? No, (laughs) the brand that you bought would not say that Bob's Ben barn is a legitimate distributor for their product. You're rolling the dice. You have no idea what the 
history who handled that product before I'd ended up in that return bin. It could have been shelf pulled because it was all counterfeits. Who knows, right? So you have to be super safe about where you're sourcing. If you're shopping from Walmart and going into a retail store, 100% safe, 100% of the time. All the national brands, all the big retailer chains, their websites, and hundreds of thousands of other websites are authorized. But there's a lot of them that look like they're legit that aren't. And one big red flag is if you're buying from somebody that gathers a bunch of good deals together for Amazon sellers and then sends them in for you, massive red flag. We're seeing all kinds of trouble with that right now because the brand does not recognize them as legitimate distributor of their products. It's all about kind of avoiding some of the you know, pitfalls as much as it is pursuing the opportunities. And so happy to talk that through. Hopefully that it, that's answered the part one of your question, at least, Amelia. And then I saw part two, you're confused about IP complaints. It says, does, does a history of IP complaints on a certain brand make mean I'm going to stay away from it, that, that brand? For me, generally, yeah, there's so many brands out there that you just don't have to worry about. And it's not so much brands, it's ASINs. I look at an individual ASIN. And when we're evaluating, am I going to sell against this listing or not? One of the things we're looking at is the history on Keepa of that ASIN. Is it dropping down to just one seller? Are you seeing that skateboard ramp of death where it just drops to zero constantly and they're like coming in and now it's there's nothing illegal or even against Amazon's policy selling against those ASINs. But what those brands are doing is making life as miserable as possible within the law on those sellers. So I don't want, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want their lawyer sending letters to my lawyer. Okay, brand, I get it. You want to sell your own brand on Amazon. You don't want any resellers in the picture. Okay. I'll step away. (laughs) Nothing illegal or against Amazon's policy selling on that brand, but you're going to get complaints and you're going to have to deal with those complaints. And they're going to accuse you of selling counterfeit product. You have to prove that you got it from a legitimate source. And it's just going to be a constant tug of war. That's fine. Grumpybrand.com, sell your own stuff. I'm cool with that. No problem. I'm going to go sell on some of the brands, some of the ASINs that don't care that there's resellers there. So a history of IP complaints, although it's impossible to know if there's been a history of IP complaints, to my knowledge, there's no way to know. You can have you can have these tools that say, hey, here's the brands you should avoid. Well, I love looking at those tools because that's all the brands I'm going to go sell against. They're scaring everybody away from really good brands that have great ASINs, but one person got a complaint one time, for example, and it had nothing to do with the brand being upset. It was They were selling on a bad generic ASIN or something, and it got shut down. And that's what generated the complaint. So everyone runs away from that brand. And I'm thinking, oh, I'll go in and clean up. So I'm looking at the ASIN history. That's the number one tip I can give you. Look at the ASIN seller count. If there's 5, 10, 15, 12 other sellers bouncing around, they're having a good time, having a little party, as Leah on our team says. You know, it's a party. The sellers are coming and going, selling out, selling product. Yeah, I'll jump in there and have a party with all of them. I don't care what the supposed tools say or the IP complaints on that brand say. No, there's nothing illegal. There's nothing against Amazon policy. Jump in there sell it. If there becomes a problem, it'll become evident and you'll say, okay, done selling that ASIN, right? So don't overcomplicate it. it. It's human nature that when bad news happens, I think it's very illustrative of where we're at right now. The fact that we've got 25 total people in our community, to my knowledge, that's a number that Jeff Schick gave me, 25 people impacted by the, the generics issue who are, you know, their accounts currently temporarily suspended with thousands and thousands of sellers, it's the number one topic that people are just obsessing over and can't sleep. And they're just all talking about it. It's just, it's going to be okay. Every October, November, something like that pops up. A few weeks from now, it's over. I've never seen someone permanently suspended in our community. It's been years since I saw that happen. And even them, I'm 
fully convinced they could have got their account back with persistence. So it's just not as big of an issue as a lot of people are making of it. Um, so don't buy into the fear porn. Keep plowing forward. So that's my commentary there. Yes, yeah. my mom, Carla. Hi, Carla. Uh, she has, I made her listen to one of your episodes today with Dr. Josh, the chiropractor. Um, oh, yeah, good episode. Her and my dad have been in business for 20 years in manufacturing. They have their, they have an injection molding company cool, and okay. they manufacture plastic parts and they very much have themselves a job. They are married to. But, and um, so whenever I told her what I was looking at, she's like, well, I want, I want to know what you're doing. I'm like, okay, well, come along. So I landed here a little, probably a little bit differently than most people because I wasn't looking uh, to sell things on Amazon, you know, to buy and sell things on Amazon. My husband and I purchased a, a farm and garden supply store, a brick and mortar store about a year ago. Okay. We've done, we've done fairly well with that. Um, but there are some dead inventory in that store. And mm-hmm. if I could move it, then it would just be more money for us. So he said, okay, go ahead and move it. Whatever you want to do. It's just sitting there. So I I jumped into starting to sell on Amazon, not having a clue that there's a whole nother world of people who are just, I had no idea what I was getting into. So I started as an FBM seller. I have not shipped anything to Amazon yet, but I didn't come across you first. I found you because I was looking for, guidance and I found you in the Dave Ramsey baby steps community. Oh cool. And, okay. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, he wrote a book and Dave Ramsey endorsed his book. He must be legit. So <laughs> I kind of decided to just, you know, take the course and I've started. Um but like you were saying earlier, there's a lot of people that have a lot of uh, loud voices and there's and I don't know who to listen to. There's so much information. And so yeah. I've heard I know Keepa. Keepa keeps coming up. Everybody says Keepa. So I know Keepa. But then I was looking at um, Inventory Lab and Seller Board. Those two seem to do the similar things. Kind of, but you don't need them yet. We're going to keep it simple. Either one of them? Not if you're new. Not day one, certainly. Hmm. Okay. Okay. That's what my, and I probably this would be answered um, going through the courses. Um, and I am going through the courses. I just haven't got there yet. And I'm signed up for the kickstart that starts Good. November 20th. I'm there. Helpful. Yeah. I was going to yeah. recommend you get into kickstart silentgym.com slash kickstart. If yeah, I'm there. I'm there November yeah. 20th. Um, awesome. but that was my question. Just what software do you start yeah. with? Yeah. Okay. That's a good question. And you got it. <laughs> Keepa, that's it. If you're signed up for a pro seller account, which costs you 30 plus some dollars a month yes. on Amazon, and you've got Keepa, that's all you're going to need initially to help okay. you decide what of that inventory that you have your hands on now, can you sell on Amazon, which of it's worth even trying to sell, and how do I find more profitable inventory? We have sellers in our community who've built seven-figure businesses using only the proven Amazon course training and Keepa. No other tools, no other software, nothing crazy going on besides just the basic stuff we teach and that basic information. The tools that you mentioned, those help speed up the process. Those help automate things. Instead of spending four hours a day repricing and reordering or you know packing, you can start to cut into the time that it takes to do those things. You don't start automating though until you have a reason to start saving yourself some time and money with a system that's producing profits. 
right? Okay. Th- that's where we wade in slow. Okay. We wade in nice and slow. We don't okay. want you out there, you know, thinking, well, these are things I'm going to need a year from now, so I got to go buy them. No, yeah. you're well, going to one, one we call it just-in-time education. We're going to teach you what you need as you need it. Well, one of them that I had listened to, some person, he said, I don't even know how to do FBA shipments if I don't have inventory left. I thought, well, then I have, I can't go with seller amp. I have to have, or not seller amp, but seller board. I have to have inventory lab. And then I, I thought, well, that's not right. Cause there's all this software. I'm like, I don't Nope. There's no, you don't need any of that at the point okay. where you'd like it to take 20 minutes instead of 40 minutes to send in a shipment. You can start using some of these tools, but early on, don't think about automating and scaling. Think about learning the basics. Okay. Right? Perfect. I don't want you running out because you can easily, most people jump on YouTube, type in, I want to start a business. Oh, Amazon, that looks interesting. How do I do this? So I'll start with a $5,000 course. And then here's a $400 a month software. And then here's a nine month process. And they figure out all they've done is spend tens of thousands of dollars and fill their garage with inventory they can't sell. 95% of the people who go down that road end up completely losing money, never making a dime. So we say quite the opposite. We're going to start you off a few hundred bucks is all you need. If you say, do I need this tool, that tool, that website, that service, that? No, you don't need it. Don't need it. Don't need it. Don't, do whatever you want to throw at me. You don't need it. You need Keepa. You need proven Amazon course. Okay. And then you, you decide, do you want to coach? That's, a, you know, are you positioned for it? Do you have the margin in your life? Do you have the, are you, are you ready to go quickly? Do you have the relational margin, the, the emotional margin, the financial, the time margin? To make sense having a coach. If not, take your time, go nice and slow, and let's ramp you up and just don't make any bad mistakes along the way. Listen to the training. If you're in Kickstart, that's going to be a huge help. Keep listening Perfect. to the podcast. So that's our advice. But it sounds like you're sitting on something pretty special for sure. Yeah. yeah. You guys have an entrepreneurial spirit in the family. That's a huge advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, we're excited. We're excited yeah. to get started. So Welcome. I don't know that a lot of the inventory that I'm finding, we live in the, the smallest small town that you can, I mean, the small, the, the town that the store sits in may have a thousand people. Gotcha. Hey, keep talking. I got to plug in my laptop before it dies. If it goes away, that's why. I was just going to say, the, the store that we, the town that the store is in may have a thousand people. So the inventory that's dead in there may not be dead on Amazon, but it's hard to know. Um, but if we could get it in front of a bigger audience, maybe some of it would move. But it's definitely dead inventory where it sits. Yes, and you'll be able to, to know with Keepa very what I can, what I should put if it's yeah. even worth your time. You're not going to set up any new listings. Never, never, never. Like, oh, this isn't even sold on Amazon. I bet it would sell well. No, yes. new. Don't do it. Okay. Don't do it. Even though Amazon makes it fairly easy for you to do, you'll just you'll find yourself in just such a mess. Don't do it. But you'll find other listings are like, wow, this this is selling really well, and wow. Hey Jim, uh, real quick question. I think yes, um, eBay or eBay. Sorry, I had eBay on the brain. Um, Amazon keeps asking me to match competitive pricing, so right. I've priced above the buy box, and I think they're and they're hey, come our price and we'll sell it quicker. So mm-hmm. can we just ignore those and just kind of move on with our strategy and not even worry about it? Yep, ignore it. If they force you to or try to turn off the ASIN or, you know, like, hey, we, we're suspending you on this ASIN until you drop it below a certain successful price, then you can move off of that ASIN, right? Just move away. Is, from is, there, any wor- is there any worry that if there's no buy box and everybody's high price that they wouldn't turn it off or they're just going to say, okay, we'll, 
we'll just keep the buy box off and they're still selling. Like there's still 30 no. to 40 drops. No, it, it, it's kind of comical to me. I, I mean, just today we sold a Walmart item. It's in every Walmart in the United States. We sold four units of it. I posted this in the Facebook group, by the way, November 6th. So you can go back and see it if you listen to this audio later. November 6th, look for a post by me. It's a $13 Walmart item. We sold four of them for what we sell them for like 33, 34 bucks a piece, all in one sale, way above the buy box that appears occasionally at about $20, $22. But it's a suppressed listing, meaning Amazon does not show the price to the customer. The customer has to click a little button that's hidden in the upper right-hand corner that's like, show me my pricing options. Because in Amazon, it's infinite wisdom, thinks sometimes the free market doesn't get it right when pricing inventory. So they choose to hide the prices from everyone. You got to click a button to see the prices. Like somehow that's going to fix the prices show up the in a lower level next time or something. But the free market does what the free market does. Supply and demand is supply and demand. So this thing is, and we the beautiful thing about this particular example is I think there's like 18 or 20 sellers and there's only two or three of them that are higher priced than us. And we sold four units today in one order at great margins on this ASIN and suppressed buy box. So the fact that Amazon hides the buy box is non-factor. The only thing I'm concerned about is can I make a handful of profitable sales per month on Amazon? If not, I'm going to stop selling against that listing. If I can, I'm going to keep sending in a few units at a time and selling against that listing. It really is that simple. Suppress buy box or not, I don't care. Amazon, if they force me to lower my price to a point where I can't make any money for some reason, I'll just stop selling it. I, I The example I often use is, okay, Amazon, I get it. I can't sell these three pack of green beans anymore have fun selling them for break-even price competing with amazon competing with walmart for example right like, okay you sell it for two dollars then if you think everyone should be selling it for two dollars i can't sell it at a profit for that price you're gonna have to pick that pick up the the tab on selling that product so what ends up happening is uh, the prices have to come up so that sellers can justify helping them fill their shelf space and that's where the opportunity is because amazon can't sell it by itself all these millions and millions of products Actually, uh, I was at Amazon Accelerate in Seattle here just just been about a month or so ago with Nathan Bailey and 2,500 other Amazon sellers. And Amazon announced from stage that the reseller and the sellers, third-party sellers, that's us, people selling their own product or resellers like us. We represent 60% of all products sold on Amazon any given day. 40% is Amazon filling the shelves as best they can, making deals with the fastest moving products. You know, They're getting all the hot video games right now, PlayStations or whatever, the new cool toys that Amazon's ordering them by the truckloads, right? That's 40% of the sales on Amazon. The other 60% is us filling the shelves, the boring stuff, but there is just so much opportunity there. Again, it's, it's half of all transactions on the internet any given day in the US. Just a lot of opportunity. So thousands of dollars a day of my business are those boring replin products that sell well year round? Stuff we can source at Walmart. Stuff sometimes it has a buy box, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we're winning as one of the best prices. Most often we're not because I price my stuff high. Hopefully that helps. Awesome, I appreciate it. Thanks, Good. Jim. All right, Chris. Good stuff, man. Let me just give a quick shout out to our tremendous coaching team. I've never been more proud of what. What's been built by this incredible team, if you want to work one-on-one with someone who knows this business inside and out, has built a beautiful business, get on our schedule, have a conversation, silentgym.com slash book a call. Grab a slot. If you've never talked to us, if nothing else, just come meet, see we're real people who care. Have a conversation. Start the conversation with, 
There's no way I'm going to buy coaching today. I just kind of want to get to know who you guys are a little bit more. Great. Good to meet you. No pressure. We have people that we've talked to a handful of times. We're here. We care. We love working with this community. Give us a shout and uh, hope to see you guys all in May. Circle it on your calendar if you haven't yet. It's going to be a great event. I'm so excited how it's coming together. My my favorite living author is our keynote speaker. I'll leave it at that. Uh, you can go check out theprovenconference.com and see what I'm talking about there. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit silentgym.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.